Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, the godfather of lending, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Polly, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great, JC. It is a little cold in Texas, so uh, you can see all the guys in Texas are all wearing sweaters today, I would probably imagine. <laughs> sweaters. It might be even a little bit colder than that for sweaters, but maybe since they're indoors, they got sweaters on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Polly, I am super excited about today's episode. Uh, we've got some real heavy hitters uh, coming at our guest uh, today. And as we always say, uh, we do not like talking heads. We like to hear the data from the experts. And there are two experts we got on the line today. You know, today we're going to talk about a really interesting topic for all of you viewers out there. You know, there are many times where uh, you may have an apartment complex and you may be ready to sell that complex and actually you might want to consider selling it to a developer. And so if you are in a situation where you've got a property and you think it has the potential to be sold to a developer, today we're going to talk about the top things to uh, look out for when selling your property to a developer. This is a great topic and in order to cover this topic correctly, We've actually brought in uh, two huge uh, uh, brokerage uh, players in the DFW market to talk to our audience about what it takes to sell their property successfully to a developer. So um, I want to welcome to the show Mr. Will Jarnigan and Mr. Michael Ware of Burcadia. Guys, welcome to the show and thanks a lot for making time. Thanks, JC. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Now, for all you viewers out there that may not be familiar with, uh, with Will and with Michael, first of all, first thing you got to know about these guys is they came into the real estate brokerage business together and they have been together pretty much since they started their careers. I mean, this is like, uh, it's, we're like talking Steph Curry and, uh, and, uh, oh gosh, how am I going to forget the other guy's name? Um, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Exactly. We're like, <laughs> yeah. It's like Steph and Clay, right? So these guys have been together since day one and they've been no, crushing it. I see it them more like uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, you know, I didn't want to go there, but now that you say it, I think that's a much better fit. So we're we're twins, yeah. I mean, I, you, you guys are right. I do resemble Arnold Schwarzenegger quite a bit. <laughs> I look so. a lot like Danny, so it's, good, it's a good fit. Well, we're going to roll with that. Well, but, but here's the, here's the deal, all you that better not stick, there. guys. No, no. Here's the, here's the deal, guys. These guys are serious players in the market space. I mean, they have a lot of fun with what they do, but they have, over their careers, last 14 years, get this, they have transacted three and a half billion dollars of, of apartment family, uh, multifamily transactions. And they have transacted over 50,000, 50,000 units uh, uh, between themselves. So that is uh, pretty incredible. That is a large breadth of experience and information to bring to the table. And the other thing that I want to talk about is that these guys are pretty much uh, two of the masters at marketing properties and develop, selling to developers. So not only do they have a, a big breadth of, of experience selling uh, traditional multifamily sales to traditional multifamily buyers, but they have a ton of experience uh, selling uh, existing lots and properties to developers. So that is exactly uh, what we want to talk about today. 
So let's, let's get right. on with it, guys. Uh, we want to get right down to it. So uh, I'm going to hit you off with some questions here, and we're just going to get your feedback. So if there is a, uh, you know, an apartment operator or owner out there that has a, an apartment property, um, what, would that, what would be an ideal target um, for a developer in terms of a property that they would be looking for? Essentially, the term covered land play comes from the idea that you would buy an existing, you know, infill piece of real estate where, the, you know, the, the, it, it has an ongoing operational uh, concern. And so the term covered comes from that the actual income derived from the property is actually covering the operating, you know, costs or the holding costs of the potential land. And so, um, you know, whereas uh, by comparison, whenever you buy a, a piece of land that doesn't have anything on it, that has no ongoing concern uh, property, that there's holding costs associated with that piece of land until you get it up and built and cash flowing. So a covered land play really can be any type of property that, that whether it be multifamily or some other product type that has um, existing cash flow and operations um, that will cover the cost of the property until it is redeveloped. So, so. to Will's point, and he has an interesting take on this, we've all heard about kind of the Amazon phenomenon, how they're pushing big box retail, right, kind of out of the, out of the picture and how it's harder and harder for some of these power centers or shopping centers to keep their big box space filled. And we're hearing from the apartment developers that it's harder and harder for us to find traditional land sites. And they're starting to look more and more at like your office depots, right? Or kind of your big box uh, power centers that are on main and main, right? It would be perfect or ripe for a multifamily development with like a retail out parcel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting talk to see how these guys are going to go after kind of that, that product that's becoming, I think, functionally obsolescent, right? And getting pushed out by just shifting trends and kind of distribution and, you know, online shopping. Well, so, so let's say guys that, you know, I'm, I'm an apartment owner, right? And, and you and I, and we, you know, we've actually been working together on a project that fits exactly this box where, you know, we, uh, we transacted with a property that you guys uh, brought to us and, uh, and there was some telltale signs of it being a good fit for a developer. And sure enough, that's exactly what looks like is going to happen is that we're going to sell this property. But let's say that I'm a property owner and, uh, you know, I'm sniffing out that this could be a real good opportunity. Now, I can go sell this multifamily property to another multifamily operator uh, just as easily as, 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 as I can do anything else. How, how is it different? How does a developer value this property differently than a traditional multifamily buyer? And, and why is, is that so valuable to me as a potential seller? Sure. So I think that, um, you know, the, the, what a developer is looking at is, uh, primarily what the property is going to become in, in their vision as opposed to what the property currently is, the way that you're operating it, or the way that a potential subsequent value-add operator would operate the property. So they're to just traditional um, acquisition model of buying a property, upgrading it, and trying to get a little bit better rents really doesn't apply to, to developers because um, it doesn't make sense for them to spend any money on the value-add component of the property. They are really looking at what they are going to turn the property into. Um, and in the case of, you know, an up zone where, you're, you know, you have a functionally obsolescent um, two-story property where they're trying to build something that's three, four, 
four, maybe five or six stories and add density, they're, they're ultimately looking at the property as not what the, you know, hundred or so units that it is today, but the 300 potentially that, you know, the, that they could develop and what kind of rents they're going to get from those and ultimately what that would be worth, um, you know, as a, um, as an apartment complex of 300 units built in 2021, as opposed to, you know, whatever it may be, 100 units built in the 1960s. There's also, there's also public private partnerships that developers can tap into with regard to like 380s or tax abatements, or, you know, the qualified opportunity zone has been a big buzzword we've heard the last couple of years where they can divert capital gains. So there's all kinds of incentives out there that are on a deal by deal basis, depending on which municipality they fall in, that the developers, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother world and a pre-development that most of us really, you know, unless you're in that space, you don't really hear about it or see it. Um, But there's quite a, there's a lot of incentives that actually make the deal more attractive to a developer that a value add operator is otherwise not able to, to get a hold of. Yeah. And what I've seen from selling to developer is the bottom line is that you can get, uh, basically you can get a better return on your investment by selling it to developer potentially than selling it to a traditional operator. Um, we've got experience where, you know, we've got a property that we're in contract with again, through your help to, to sell to a developer and the terms that we were looking to get, uh, out there and what we could get with, with a, a traditional uh, multifamily operator buying our property didn't really come close to what we could achieve uh, with a developer. So at the end of the day, all things being equal, um, if we can get a better price and better terms ultimately to it from a developer, then that's certainly going to going to be a strong consideration for us uh, when we're looking to exit a property. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, um, you know, uh, there, there are not a lot of multifamily properties where that is uh, necessarily the case. Typically what you're dealing with is, you know, at least in our marketplace, the place in which with we're we're the most familiar, um, you're typically um, looking at very infill locations inside the city um, and where the highest and best use of the property has changed from what currently is on it. And, um, you know, so you, you typically don't see that as you get further out where the highest and best use of the property probably is as an ongoing apartment, apartment pro- project um, that can be value added um, in, in, you know, in certain cases in these infill areas, the uh, price appreciation of the land and, you know, in, in addition to that, some of the city, um, you know, objectives in terms of how they want to reshape neighborhoods uh, cause the highest and best uses of the properties to change over time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about this. This is really important. So let's say that that there is a property out there that is attractive to developer and the multifamily owner that's out there happens to come to terms on uh, selling a property to developer. What are some things that are going to be different on a purchase agreement than sort of selling to a traditional uh, multifamily operator? So I would say that the big two to me are going to be, or just to, to set expectations for anyone who would be looking into that is expect a longer timeline, right? So when we sell a value add deal, as you guys all know, we have pretty tight timelines. So you have either a 21 day due diligence or a 30 day. There's usually non-refundable earnest money up front, you know, contingent on, maybe title and survey and environmental and that's it. Right. Um, that developer is not going to give you that. There are so many moving parts and variables that those guys have to check off the list. 
that they'll typically put up, you know, uh, um, I'm not going to call it insignificant, but, uh, you know, not a, not a large, you know, earnest money check. And, and for the most part, it's going to be refundable until they pass certain milestones. Um, I'd say, you know, the timelines are considerably longer. So like where again is we're used to a 21 or call it a 30, 30 with a 15 day extension, maybe. Right. So a 75 day sales process for a traditional value add deal. You're looking at anywhere from 180 to 270 days, maybe even longer on a development deal. And it's usually a 90-day due diligence with a 90-day close. And those guys usually build in a couple 30-day extensions. Um, and you're not going to go really really non-refundable until after that 90 days or maybe 120 days where they're checking off. Because those guys have to go get zoning. So they got to go through um, zoning and then the city council and go get entitlements. And it's, you know, sometimes they have to lawyer up and then you got to go fight uh, if you have an aggressive, like, local community, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, who are resistant to maybe new development, that's a fight. And so it's just a, a long and, and complicated process. And I feel like the seller and the buyer probably work together more in one of these transactions than what we see in a traditional kind of middle market deal. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, and, and I would add that, um, you know, one thing to keep in mind is, um, you know, you're, you know, if you are in a scenario where your property is worth more to a developer than it is to a traditional value add operator, um, then, you know, you're more likely to, to, you know, make some exceptions to the way that a traditional value add buyer would buy the property in those timelines because there's incentive in it for you. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more of a risk um, because you're dealing with some unknown variables um, throughout the process. But in general, the reason that developers, you know, don't put up hard money the way that value add operators uh, do is because their pursuit costs are significantly more expensive um, on the deals. Michael mentioned going through the zoning process, the legal process. Only once they've gone through all that process can they then go and actually get their construction financing, um, you know, done. So there's a longer timeline. It's significantly more expensive than buying a few third party reports from from an approved vendor off of a you know a lender's list and so um you know that that process um you know there's incentive in it for the seller to accept those terms there's a little bit more risk but there's a little bit more reward in it from selling to a traditional uh value add buyer as well so if if um if you could give some advice to uh prospective sellers that are looking to sell to developers, what are some, some top things that they should sort of be careful about when they're we're negotiating a, a sale to a developer? What are some things that can trip them up? Uh, I'd say I'll, I'll rattle off a couple. Will uh, I just say reputation, you know, like um, there's not a whole lot of developers. There's probably a hundred to 120 developers in DFW. And out of those 120, maybe like 25 are actually just, programmatic, systematic developers, right? Um, most of those guys are just trying to make a living like everyone else, right? And all of them have a reputation in the market. And I would say just, uh, it's pretty easy to call around to the brokerage community and kind of find out if you are working with someone, how they are to do business with. Again, to me, it's, it's more of a, the, the seller and buyer work a lot more together in one of these transactions than a, than a typical, you know, value add and as is deal where they're just taking it and on to the next one, you're going to, you're going to be under contract for, you know, the better part of a year. So I, I feel like just do a little bit of upfront research on who you're going to work with 
um, and rely uh, on your broker to kind of tell you who they are and how they operate. And I think that's important because uh, you are going to tie your property up for a significant amount of time. Make sure that you understand what the developer's objective, um, what their final, um, you know, plan is for the property before you go into um, a contract with them, uh, because what you want to, you know, avoid is an outlandish plan that's never going to have a chance of uh, of getting approved or something like that. And then, and of course, you know, if you follow Michael's number one rule, which is deal with guys who are credible and and won't waste your time, you know, you you'll avoid this. But I think it's important just to make sure that you understand what they're doing, that it's a feasible thing. You're essentially going to be partnering with them through the process. And so um, making sure that you fully understand what their intentions are with the property and that that is a viable um, option that that makes the probability of getting to the closing table um, much higher. Well, I mean, that's, that's great advice. And I think that, um, you know, my my advice to all you viewers out there is if you are going to look at selling your property to a developer, uh, work with brokers that have a ton of experience in it. Because as uh, Michael and as Will have pointed out, at least in the DFW Metro, um, if, if, they, if they don't at least know of every single uh, shop out there, uh, they've probably actually done transactions with with a, a big majority of them, so that helps quite a bit when you're when you're thinking that this might be the route to go. So definitely reach out to these guys. So, Michael and Will, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you guys uh, to talk to you about potentially uh, selling their property, um, how can they get hold of you? With Will Arnold. Jarnigan, my email address is uh, w-i-l-l dot j-a-r-n-a-g-i-n at bercadia dot com, and uh, my direct phone line in the office is. Nine seven two four five eight sixty eight sixty eight. Michael Ware, M I C H A E L dot W A R E at Bercadia dot com, and you can reach me direct at nine seven two four five eight six eight four one. All right. Yeah, then, if you get yeah. one, you get the other. So you That's know, right. it's all the same. <laughs> they are yeah. twins, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so great information from the guys over at Bercadia. They do a great job. Thoroughly endorse Michael and Will. And JC, tell us a little bit about what you do. What we do, what we do. Well, we've been helping uh, for the last 13 years, we've been helping investors make smart multifamily investment decisions. You know, we're one of those rare companies that's been around since before the Great Recession. We were buying deals before the recession, uh, during the recession, and after the, the recession. So we really uh, focus not only on what can go right with these deals, because we've certainly had a good run but we're also very acutely aware of what can go wrong. And so we're, we're very focused on risk adjusted returns uh, and not just uh, raw returns. So if, if anybody out there is, is getting started in multifamily and has any questions, uh, we offer a free uh, 15 minute consultation. You can go to our website, multifamilypropertygroup.com. Again, multifamilypropertygroup.com and you can schedule on the contact us page a 50-minute consultation, and we would be happy to sit down with you and see how we can help you out. Yeah, if you're selling a property too, and you have you know a big possible capital gain, you can possibly joint venture with JC and his partner Eric to take talk about trying to do it, maybe a transaction together. So we've seen that too of what Eric and JC do. So again, I'm Paul Peebles uh, with Old Capital Lending. Don't forget January 15th, we're going to try to drag. Uh, Michael and Will to the Old Capital Speaker Series. Greg Willett from RealPage will be there. 
We'll also have uh, right. one of the chief economists for uh, CoStar. So Greg Willett will give us the national perspective of 2020, what that looks like. He's the guy that everybody refers to in apartment articles, television stuff. I mean, he is the guy. So he's going to be talking guy. to you. Yeah, about 300 of us. We want you there. Go to the Old Capital podcast.com and RSVP for that. If you do have a lending opportunity for us to take a look at and you need real straightforward advice, give us a call. Go to oldcapitallending.com, oldcapitallending.com, and just uh, send us an email that we can help you with that. So some great information uh, from Will and from Michael. JC Castillo, I'm Paul Peebles. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.